Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. On today's episode, you'll hear from speech-language pathologist Christy Jackley, who lives in Florida near Disney World. She will share her journey to private practice and the things she wishes she had done sooner. Stay tuned. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high-quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Christy Jackley. I'm in Apopka, Florida, which is close to Disney, and the name of my practice is So To Speak Therapies. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast tonight. Um, before we dive into kind of what your practice looks like now, can you take us back to the beginning, even maybe your early clinical career, and tell us about like how you got started as a speech pathologist and what that early career looked like? Sure. Um, I'm happy to be here too. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, when I was in college, I couldn't decide what my major was going to be. I really wanted to be a veterinarian. And I sat in on a science class and was so overwhelmed um, with what they were talking about that I was like, I can't do this, no way. So I started flipping through the book that we had to choose like your direction. And I landed on communication disorders and I thought that would be interesting. So I started taking those classes and my original goal was to go into audiology. Um, so after I did my bachelor's, I took a year and did itinerant hearing impaired in the schools, helping those kids out. And I got super frustrated because I couldn't fix them. Mm -hmm. Couldn't give them back their hearing. Um, it really bothered me. So I thought I would change my direction and go the speech pathology way and did that. Got into grad school. Um, most of my grad school experience was in the school system. So that's where my first job was. Um, I worked in the public schools in elementary for 12 years and then got married and we moved to Pittsburgh. And in Pittsburgh, 
I got a job with a clinic. Um, I always have had the dream of opening like a multidisciplinary clinic, have OTPT speech right there. So that was the clinic that I got a job in and that kind of changed my view of things that mm -hmm. maybe that wasn't what I really wanted because I was the speech therapist that was there until 7.30 at night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also got pregnant during that time and realized when I had a kid, I don't want to be here at 7.30 at night. Had a baby, got a job with the intermediate unit up there, and it was a, it was a really cool job that I got. I was considered a speech pathologist at large, and I would do like substituting. I was full-time salary benefits, all that good stuff. Um, I would substitute for therapists that were on maternity leave or therapists that had so much testing that they needed to do. I would go in and do their, either do their testing or see their caseload while they did their testing. It was such a cool opportunity to just see the different styles of therapies that other therapists do. Also got to look at a lot of materials and borrow some of those materials and you know use their ideas. It was just really, and then I got pregnant again mm -hmm. um, and went back to the, the intermediate unit after I had my second child, um, but Pittsburgh kind of got to me. It was too gray, too cold, mm -hmm. uh, two little kids, couldn't go outside. It, it kind of got to me. So we moved back to Florida. My husband came with me. He's still not happy about being here, but He's here. <laughs> um, and I got a job with the same school system that I was with before, but in a middle school. And um, I had always been terrified of that age group because, you know, it's middle school. Um, yeah, they're, they're teenagers. And <laughs> yeah, they're super scary. <laughs> but again, it was, it was another great experience. You could be real with them. Like, they are real people. You know, you don't have to do all the cutesy stuff. To keep them entertained they're real and you can explain things in a real way yeah and while i was doing that i was wanting to be with my family more um i was kind of frustrated with the school system because you're you see these kids in a group these kids have usually been in therapy for many many years and mm -hmm. very little progress made um almost no family involvement. You know, you get to see the families once a year at their IEP meetings if they choose to come. But, you know, it's all on you and it's just, it was just getting frustrating to me with what the school and the the laws, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. common core. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's just, it wasn't real therapy to me and I wanted to do something different. Yeah. You wanted um, to do more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to help these kids better than I could in the situation I was in. Yeah. Um, so while I was working that full-time job, I started So To Speak Therapies. I would see a couple kids every night after school um, and slowly grew my business to a point where I could work part-time at the school and see kids. Um, I had an amazing principal at that time. He would let me come in early to start my day early so that I could get in my hours and still been build my business that's great um, and then in 2016 I took the leap and left the school system and am doing so to speak therapies full-time I have six other girls working with me and it's been awesome and I'm very very happy I did it I wish I would have done it sooner 
Well, it sounds like, well, first of all, I love that you have had this varied experience and a lot of experience, right, in the field. Mm -hmm. And you, it sounded like you had this idea of what private practice was and what it could be for you. And then that was actually, it sounded like maybe not like a super negative experience, but just you, you learned some stuff about how you wanted to not do things. Right. Right. Yeah. So but then you, you know, you had some babies and you moved back. And so you still had to, to put that private practice dream on hold for a little bit. And then things got a little too crazy in the schools and you, you know, you started to, to switch to your own, your own business, right? Correct. So, so once you, how did you, what did you want to do in terms of your own private practice that you either didn't see in that other private practice or in the schools? What did you want to do to be different? I wanted to, it probably sounds weird, but I wanted to kind of become part of the families to teach families how important it is for them to be involved and involved constantly. It's not my 30 minutes a week or 30 minutes twice a week that's going to help your child. We all have to be part of this together. Yeah. Um, and the, pr the private practice in Pittsburgh, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just, I wanted to be with my family. I don't want to be working until 7.30 at night um, and then go home and try to be mom. You know, that my priorities were not that job. Yeah. Um, and they were so tiny then. So, you know, that's what mattered to me at that point in my life. But I, I liked the idea of having all the disciplines at one spot, you know, kids, we just kind of pass the kids around, boom, 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 therapy. Um, and I liked having the camaraderie of all the other therapists and can bounce things off of each other and work together, um, which is something that's kind of hard where I am now. Um, but my therapy now is either in private schools, daycares, or in the home. So you don't get a lot of other disciplines face-to-face, -face, I guess. Through this journey, though, I have met some great therapists. We text, we call, you know, like, um, if I need an OT, I know exactly who I'm going to text, see if she has room, and then we're going to get that ball rolling. Um, if I can't see a child because of my schedule, I know the speech therapist I'm going to refer that kid to. So it's, it's like a, it's still like a family, you know, we're just texting or phone call away, I guess. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a wonderful network of people who are supporting each other and whether they are working for you or they're, uh, you know, other providers and they're like referral sources, you can help fill each other's caseloads. And I think that's a really nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been really good. Nice. Yeah. So what populations do you primarily work with either you or the people who work for you? Uh, we're, primarily pediatric. Every once in a while, we'll get an adult, but it's mainly kids. Yeah. And uh, any particular diagnoses that you tend to serve or all kind of kids? Um, my favorite are children with autism. Mm -hmm. My other therapists, they have their favorite too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, some of them don't like to work with the little ones. Some of them do. <laughs> But that's, that's great though, right? Because you have a team of people who can work with the people that, that they feel most comfortable and confident with. Right. And then you don't have to, and they don't have to see <laughs> people that they don't love seeing. I think that's one of the other nice things right. about both um, 
owning a private practice and then also working for one is that you can start to kind of specialize and see the, the people that you work best with and that you can help make the most progress and let other people work with their ideal people too. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And where would you say that your the most of your referrals come from other than the OT that sends you referrals every now and then? <laughs> um, when I first started, my children's pediatrician actually referred a lot to us. Um, but then we left her and we went to a different pediatrician. And really the most referrals are coming from word of mouth. Just I'm in a lot of daycares and I think it's important to develop a relationship with the director of the daycares. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you get to be kind of like on a friendly basis, then they're going to throw people at you and look for kids that they think could benefit from your help. Yeah. Fabulous. And what sort of payer sources do you guys take? Oh, that's frustrating. Um, we're mostly <laughs> Medicaid. Uh -huh. and, um, that takes up a lot of time. Um, uh, a couple, occasionally we get private pay, which, you know, is really good. A couple of commercial insurances, um, but they're, you know, they're a headache in their themselves as well. Yeah. Um, but primarily it's Medicaid. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and what do you, what do you see, like, where do you see your practice going in the next, like, couple months to a year or more? Um, I would like to hire more therapists. That's been my biggest challenge. Um, it's a hard I don't, setting mm -hmm. for people. You know, it's not full-time. It can be full-time if you're willing to be patient to build up your caseload. Yeah. Um, and we have a waiting list. So we've got the kids. We just need the therapist. And I'm having a hard time with, therapists brand new or have been in the field for a long time that want to work yeah like yeah you know this is not just a job to me my name is out there this is very important to me how you represent me and my business and I I want the best for my families and that is a hard thing to find yeah well you well right because you have a vision of what things sh should be right and it's important to communicate that to your, are these contractors? Yes. Right. Okay. And that's, that's even harder than employees, right? Because they're working much more independently. Right. So I think that definitely is one of the, the challenges that a lot of private practitioners face is how can I make sure that everyone working for me, whether it's contractors, employees, administrative staff, you know, billing people, anything, share your vision and your standards. So I think that that's definitely something a lot of people um, kind of struggle with, but it's having, uh, creating a culture and then trying to hold people to it as best you can. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But not always easy. No, no. And we check in with our families that, you know, that I don't have the relationship with that my contractors see. We check in with them uh, quarterly to make sure everything's going okay. And some of them check in with us frequently because things are not going great and then we you know we make the change we'll switch therapists or see what we can do to make the situation better um i just i i don't want to grow to be too big where i don't have that mm -hmm. 
feeling, you know, I mean, yes, I'd love to make a ton of money just like everybody else would love to, but I don't want to lose that grasp that I have and that kind of family feeling. I want people to know the name and get the name out there because they feel comfortable and feel like we are part of their family. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to your original vision for this whole thing. Right. I think that's fabulous. Okay. So wanting, wanting to grow, hire a couple more people, but not get too big. What are some lessons that you've learned along the way that maybe you could, could share with the listeners that either you like, you wish you had some, done something different or sooner, something along those lines? Um, I wish I would have started sooner. I took a long time to think about not just started the private practice, but taking that leap a lot sooner. Um, I don't know if I could have done it, like totally quit the school system without going part-time. I probably could have with how fast we grew and um, the number of clients that I'm still seeing. Um, yeah. <laughs> we probably could have, but that's a, a huge, scary jump for anybody to take you know that stability and that comfort um but i i wish i would have done it earlier because it's i make my own schedule i can go to my kids school when i need to i can be home when i need to and work my clients around that and that's good that's what i that's what i want to do you know i put my kids on the bus in the morning i pick them up at the bus stop in the afternoon and i work while they're at school and that's it yeah you know i mean that's not it because i'm still doing stuff at night but you know like I can be here for them. They're not going to have to go sit in a daycare after school. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Well, and then you get best of both worlds, right? You get to be mom. Yeah. What you wanted. Yeah. And, and you also get to set your own hours, just like you said, and make decisions about, you know, what's going to be best for the clients that you're serving. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Another thing is realizing that you can't do it all. It's, it was huge. I actually hired my sister to be my administrative assistant and also forwarded all the phone calls that come to my phone to the business phone so that she can handle them because I my heart gets into it. And every phone call I would get, I would talk to the parent, find out what's going on, what they need help with, and then find out where they live. So I'm driving all over the place to see these kids. But now that my very special administrative assistant feels those phone calls, she knows like, you can't do this. You don't have time in your schedule. You can't get 45 minutes away and see a kid and get 45 minutes back to see another kid. Like, so her heart is not in it like mine. That might sound mean, but you know. Yeah, well, it's in it in a different way, right? She's yeah. able to think logistics. Yes, yes. And right? I'm thinking with my heart and how can I help this family and this kid and what can I do for them? And it, yeah, so I'm, I'm very lucky to have her on, on our team and do all that. And she also does all the insurance battling for me, so. Well, it sounds yeah. like she's a gem. And yeah. she's family, so you, you know her <laughs> and trust her and everything else. Yes, yes, yes. But I, I think that you bring up an important point. One, one is about not doing everything yourself, right? Right. Because you, you can't. You can't. You can't. No. And when it comes to, to your role, you know, you can, if you are doing non-income producing activities, like answering phone calls, like, you know, sending insurance follow-ups, insurance, yeah. 
right? right? Then you're not bringing money into your business. So right. if you if you can hire someone, in this case, it worked out wonderfully that it's your sister. But if you can hire someone who can cut down on on that time, and then you 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 know pay them probably less than what you're being reimbursed at, right? So that's how you help cover her salary and everything. Right. Yeah. So, and that's just business. That's like how it works. Right. Um, but I think that that's wonderful too. How wonderful to be able to employ family in your practice. That's also yeah. very special. Yes. Yes. And my parents, you know, they're, my dad is always asking questions, you know, what can we do? What's your plan to grow bigger, grow better? And, you know, it's hard because I want to please them, but I also don't want to lose that, that feeling of maybe it's control. I don't know, but you know, I just, I just want, I don't want to be huge and lose touch with the families and the therapists. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's your choice to make, right? You can, yeah. you can choose how big or small you get and your practice can get bigger for a period and then it could get smaller for a period. Right. And so I think that that's one of the other really nice things is that, you know, there's no one is putting a ceiling on this, right? You have to put your own ceiling on, on how big you're going to grow and you know yourself and you know, your, your town and your environment and the therapists that are available to you and payer sources and all this kind of other stuff. So you can make those decisions to keep your, not only your private practice healthy, but yourself healthy right. in this whole thing too. Right. Nice. Well, good. Well, any other things um, that we didn't get to touch on that you want to share with the listeners? Um, I don't think so. Well, I think this has been a wonderful interview. I really, really appreciate your willingness to come on and share um, just your, your journey, which was, as, as you put it, kind of longer than you would have wanted <laughs> it to be. Um, but in the end, you ended up where you're supposed to be and living this nice balanced life between mom and private practitioner and serving the clients that you love, you know, from your heart. And you luckily have your logical sister to help, help <laughs> field your phone calls and that kind of stuff. So you don't say yes to too many people. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> But I, you know, I look forward to hearing how how you grow. And growing may not be in terms of bigger necessarily, but maybe in terms also of like I don't know, better systems or or better something. You know, with maybe some of the contractors that you're working with. Right. Right. But I think you're off to a wonderful, wonderful start. And um, again, I appreciate your willingness to come on the podcast with us. Thank you very much. All right. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. So the episode is over, but the fun doesn't have to end here. Christy Jackley shared with us her road and her journey to private practice and how she wishes that she had started her private practice sooner than she did. If you are thinking that maybe it's time for you to start your private practice, I want to invite you to a free training where you will learn more about private practice in this 60-minute presentation than you ever learned in grad school. If this sounds exciting to you, I want you to head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to sign up. It lasts a little over an hour and is chock full of actionable information to help you get started now. All right, enjoy. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy 
while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part? These trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.